Welcome to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Magic Pisces Podcast. I think I'm getting partially motivated again to broadcast. I'm working, perhaps I'm becoming more professional with this sort of thing. Have a book that will be finished really soon. And so I'm stuck. It's not that I'm stuck. I'm sort of plotting what's next, I guess. And it might be more of a media type of a presence. I'm just kind of lazy. I wish I weren't just kind of lazy. I'm not lazy with exercise and moving and surfing and now riding this amazing one-wheel machine, but I'm kind of lazy with things that require focused concentration. That's why, like, doing this book, finishing a book, it's just writing a book is just a bitch. It's just so hard. It just requires so much of you. And I've been reading uh, Finishing Up Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoevsky, and it's, I mean, the book is so vast. I, it's, I'm, I have like 10 pages, literally, I have 10 pages left in the, the entire book, not in the entire book, there's an epilogue, but I'm like, for God's sakes, for God's sakes, would you go to fucking prison already? Would you please be in prison already? It just gets dragged out, but... But I might even read over it again, uh, read read through it again, because I've heard it said, I believe Jordan Peterson said this. If it's not Jordan Peterson, it's somebody else uh, said that Fyodor Dostoevsky is the, the greatest psychologist to ever live, something like that. But he's just so amazing at getting getting inside of the the heads or the beings of these characters he makes up and exploring the, using these characters to uh, illustrate the, the human psyche, to explore the human psyche. And the, the book is amazing. It's just this, this guy who's like a out of work, I think he's a graduate student, and he gets this idea to murder this, he has, doesn't have any money, and so he gets this idea to murder this person, uh, this this woman who's kind of a shitty human being. She's like a, a pawnbroker in the neighborhood, and she kind of preys on people, and she's just not a very good person, and so he's thinking, well, she's a piece of shit anyway, so if I murder her with an axe, it will be for the better of society, basically, is kind of the gist of it. This all happens at the very beginning, mind you, so I'm not really giving anything away. It's pretty quick. It's, it's, you know where it's going pretty, pretty early on in the reading. And so he goes and he murders this woman, and then he finds out very quickly that murdering somebody is not as easy as it seems. And so there's the pre-murderous version of this guy, uh, Raskolnikov is his name, and then there's the, the version of this guy who has murdered and the person who is murdered is very, very, very much distinct from the person 
who has not murdered. And talk about transformational. I'm, I often talk in coaching about what transformational action is. Transformational action would definitely be murder. If you murder somebody, your life is going to transform, perhaps unless you're a sociopath. But but it's it's just an incredibly fascinating exploration of the human psyche. And I read Brothers Karamazov, which I think people say that's his best book. I actually read that book when I was in rehab. This would have been 15 or 16 years ago now. Um, I was in detox coming off of heroin really hard. <laughs> this is the final time, the final time, the time that I actually, that, that I actually got sober and, and stayed sober. But I was, I was hunkered down in this detox center and coming off of heroin, and it was awful. And a friend of mine dropped off the Brothers K, Brothers Karamazov, and I would just stay up all night jonesing for heroin, reading the Brothers Karamazov. Um, and apparently that book is also a fascinating exploration of human consciousness, the human psyche. So check it out if you'd like. I think I mentioned that I was reading this book a, f a few episodes ago. But I'm, I'm to this point in, in polishing my book where what I do, it's Vincent, I believe it was Vincent Van Gogh or pa Pablo Picasso. I think maybe it was Picasso. It, it was Picasso. I don't know, Google it and find out. But it was Picasso who said, good artists borrow, great artists steal. And so what I do is, I, as I'm reading a book like Crime and Punishment or uh, The Hobbit, I've been reading also Lord, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and I've also been reading this book called The Gulag Ar Ar Archipelago, I believe that's the pronunciation, which is uh, by this guy Alexander Solzhenitsyn, also a recommendation of Jordan Peterson's. And, and which is about the genocide that took place in Russia in the 20th century with Lenin and Stalin, and it's a first-hand account written in three volumes. But what I will do is, I, I always read with a highlighter, and when I come across a phrase that I like or appreciate or enjoy or that really sticks out to me, I'll highlight it. And then very often I will take that phrase, it's, let's say it's like a three-word phrase or it's a particular sentence structure, and I will essentially figure out a way to reconfigure the, the words and, and fit them into what I'm writing. But it's, it's, by, by the time it's, it's been worked into my work, it's totally different. It sounds totally different. It's different language. It's, different, it's a different arrangement of the words. It's often a different... I'll use a different tense of the certain word of of the word, or um, maybe it's an it's a different word altogether that the the first word I wrote that I read or highlighted prompted. So the I'll read a I'll read a, a phrase of three words, and I'll be prompted to borrow that or steal that. But then I'll substitute out the third word for a, a different word that's similar. So it really becomes this fascinating process and I think musicians are doing this all musicians are doing this all over the place it's like you spend some time if you're a guitar player listening to Jimmy Page and you borrow a couple of riffs or a couple of licks but by the time you're completed writing your riff or your lick it sounds totally different but a person who's got a trained ear will say or might say I hear Jimmy Page in that and or I hear Metallica in that or I hear whatever and there's uh, whoever in that and so it's a it's 
in a lot of ways, it's almost like paying homage to the artist who you are influenced by to borrow and or steal from, I think. But the, the trick is to, you, it, it, this, is, this is very much distinct from plagiarize, even though if you looked up the definition of plagiarize, it might even have the word steal in it, I don't know. But, but it's, you're not copying word for word for word for word. You're being impacted by a series of words that this author is using or a series of notes that this musician is using. You're being impacted by that. And so you are taking... <clears throat> the influence there and making something of your own as the result of being deeply connected to whomever came before you. And I think that that is very much distinct from plagiarism. I don't think plagiarism ultimately is respectful or reverent, is that the right word? Reverent of uh, he, she, or whomever that they are borrowing from, that the plagiarist is borrowing from. So check out Crime and Punishment, and if, if you'd like, I mean, I literally bought the book, I think I bought the book two years ago or even longer. It just took me forever. Sometimes I'll put books down for a very long time and then pick them back up, and I basically made this decision to just finish the fucking thing. It's not, I don't even want to, I don't even know if it's that enjoyable to read, it's 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 this thing that I've had to sort of hunker down and grit my teeth in regards to finishing, and and now that I'm within, I think I have eleven pages in the main the main book left, and then there is an epilogue of about thirty pages after that. So it's just by this kind of like it's almost like pride or sheer determination. I will have finished this book and establish myself as some sort of freaking literary guy or whatever. I think you're literary if you've read more than one Dostoevsky. You're well, I think you're officially well-read if you've read more than, if you've read one Dostoevsky book, I think you could be considered well-read. So I'll be, I will have read two when I'm finished with this and I'll officially be a well-read person. I think I'm well-read anyway. Are you well-read? You should read more. Everybody should read more. Everybody should read. People that don't read kind of, you know, there's just, I have a judgment about people that don't read. There, there I go. People that don't read, you know, they're just fucking subhuman. They should be, they should be sent to camps, people that don't read. See where I was going with that? I caught myself. I caught, I caught the judgment. I caught myself mid-judgment. And then I mocked the would-be judgment. Anyway. So... Crazy shit happening in the world. Crazy shit continues to happen in the world. The age of Aquarius, I think, is has. I think it's in, is it in full swing. I think perhaps that the the powers that be are trying to keep a keep a foothold on the old way. And I, I don't I don't know I don't know if it's working. I don't I don't know what's happening. All I know is when I watch some of these. Um, conservative YouTubers or con- listen to these conservative podcasters, I get very much enraged, and I'm not enraged at the conservatives the way that I used to be enraged. 
at conserv. I used to hate conservatives. I I just I used to want conservatives to fucking die. I really did. I was I was really fucking hardcore. I was. I've said this before, and this is coming from ego, but I was fucking hardcore far left way before it was cool to be hardcore far left. I just was, you know, like I read People's History of the United States. I remember specifically, I read that in 1999. I started reading The Nation in 1998. I wanted to burn, I took Vietnam War history in college. I wanted to motherfucking tear down the establishment, all of that, way before it was cool. It was all about tearing down statues and all of that shit. Pre-social media far leftist. Anyway, uh, enough with me and my ego about how I was cool before it was cool um, to... What the hell am I saying? I don't even know. Anyway, where this whole thing has gone now is just... This whole leftist thinking has gone now is just... It's really just kind of bizarre. And so when I listen to people like Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, who I disagree with very strongly on many things, I get their, I just, I just understand their, I don't, frustration is an understatement. I understand why they believe that these current ideologies, particularly gender ideology, are evil. I get why they think what they I get why they think what they do. I understand it. And I also the, the thing that I really get, however, is that is the thing that I really get about them is or the thing about them that enrages me in the same way that it enrages them has to do with the manipulation of facts by the, the, the mainstream media. And I also understand that, um, I understand their frustration and or rage at the fact or the notion that the mainstream media has really just become an arm of the Democratic Party or really just exists so as to serve the Democratic Party and does not give full weight to uh, its dissenting viewpoints. The dissenting viewpoints now being conservative viewpoints. Uh, Conservatives are basically just it's degraded or disrespected or um, cast aside. And it's, that's, that's what I find to be incredibly frustrating because I, I am a person who believes in free speech. As a person who has a podcast, who has a channel, who broadcasts, I don't like who's a good person. I like to think I'm a good person. I like to think that I'm a kind person. I do not like having to watch what I say. I think it's fucked up. 
having to watch what you say. It doesn't, that, that, that does not mean that you should not choose your words carefully. It doesn't mean that you should seek um, to devalue people. It doesn't mean that you should go around using racist language or making racist or racial slurs. It doesn't mean that you need to become some MAGA Republican who hates political correctness. It just means that you should be free to express who and what you are and that perhaps you should also be open to course correction. So in other words, if you do go too far, kind of like I did in the thick of COVID, I went a little too far and I made some slurs and I was course corrected by two people, Greg DeMamos uh, being one of them and Shane Ritter being another. They course, correct me, course corrected me, they reflected to me that I had gone a little too far and I made the appropriate amends essentially, right? Amend means change. So I made the appropriate amendments or I made amends, and I uh, committed to keeping a uh, closer eye on myself. And, you know, this stuff was happening in the midst of a global pandemic with this whole George Floyd thing, and there was this other shit going on in my personal life. I was projecting uh, stuff around or through or projecting as the result of. But does that mean that I should be canceled i don't think so now would i like it doesn't mean however that if i were to continue like let's say i'd continued using racial slurs or slurs against the woke or whatever um it doesn't mean that there should not be some consequences energetically for that and that might just look like listenership diminishes or um you know perhaps someone posts on social media that I used racist language. That, you know, that, I believe that that is kind of, you know, you go out and you say things in a less than responsible way, there, I believe that there will naturally be consequences. But what I, what I find to be frustrating is um, the unwillingness to forgive. Um, you know, Joe Rogan, for instance, during the, you know, in the heart of the, in the heart of the pandemic or towards the end of the pandemic or in the heart of the whole vaccine thing, um, he took some heat and he goes on Instagram and he fully owns um, what he uh, may have said or uh, owns the that the he didn't necessarily steer the direction the conversation in the most responsible direction. He fully owns up to that, and then there are all of these people who just refuse to even listen to that apology. And I it's I don't I listen to Rogan's podcast regularly, and I I don't I don't, I just don't get the hatred at all. Like he's just this watched an interview with Rick Rubin um, a, a, a few days ago, 
or a couple weeks ago, and it was fascinating, like, to dive into the head of the guy who created License to Ill, right? It's fascinating to find out what makes a person who was one of the most influential human beings in the, in the world of music ever, what, what makes that a person like that tick? And same thing with, um, he interviewed Anthony Kiedis. And he, Anthony Kiedis is, he's just, he's kind of, he's just a little douchey or a lot. He's very similar to Billy Corgan in his level or degree of douchiness. It's just this subtle kind of intangible quality of douchiness. But it was still interesting to, um, I do not believe Anthony Kiedis should be sent to a camp for being douchey, by the way. Um, but uh, it was interesting to get into the mind of a person that was incredibly influential. And the Chili Peppers have a place in my heart just because of they, they're, they're in recovery. They recovered. They recovered from the gnarliness of heroin addiction, a bunch of other things probably as well. And I started listening to um, – so in any event, Rogan – uh, is he's not the monster that he's been made out to be by the the media. He just he just isn't, and um, I find that to be incredibly frustrating and or infuriating contextually. So seeing the context, seeing what's actually happening there. Now, what I find to be inspirational or inspiring rather is the fact that. Um, he was able to kind of move beyond all of that. And I don't want to say, it's not like he, I don't want to say he dug in, but it, it occurs as if there was a, a win there energetically um, in him sticking around Spotify. So uh, enough about Rogan. Um, that being said, as the result of hearing the interview with Anthony Kiedis, I pulled out, I pulled up Mother's, the Mother's Milk, the Chili Peppers Mother's Milk album on iTunes or Apple Music. It, it is, it is, it's an, it's an amazing piece of work. It's without question one of the greatest albums to ever be recorded in, in American music. It's one of the, the best rock and roll albums of all time. The, the, the guitar work by John Frusciante, it's, it's, it's so masterful. And it just, he, the thing about Frusciante is he never, or in these albums at least, in this album, he never, he never sits still. He's always moving from one thing to the next to the next. There's, there's not really any, dis, it's very, he's very Hendrix-like. He's not, there's not just one riff that he, plays over and over and over or returns to he's constantly moving and I tried to learn in high school I tried to learn under the bridge and I got like the first it's I got the first part of it kind of figured out and then there's this other part I kind of know but it's it's an astonishingly difficult song to play on the guitar it reminds me of uh, the song Bold is Love by Jimi Hendrix like the just kind of the overall sound of it but it's he's a an absolutely masterful guitar player, and um, so I I pulled that album out and I listened to it and was honestly mesmerized when that album came out. The other thing I realized about 
the other thing I realized as a result of listening to it again was that it came out actually in 1989 in August. So it was kind of like the end of, it was very much the end of a musical era. And it was kind of right at the dawn of the explosion of rock music that happened in the 90s. And th there was so much amazing music in the 90s. I mean, and I, I was never a fan of like, a, I'm not really a grunge fan. Um, I was not like a Pearl Jam fan. Um, Nirvana Nevermind is a fucking amazing album. Um, but overall, like the grunge thing, I, I couldn't really get into. Um, but Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins, an absolute musical masterpiece. I personally think it's their... Gish, you could argue, is a great album. I don't like the album Gish. Um, I just don't. I've tried to listen to it over and over again and to really get into it, and I can't. There are only a couple of songs that I really love, if any. But Siamese Dream, whole different story, an absolute musical masterpiece. I actually saw them in Chicago at the Metro the night, um, the night that it was released, and they played for five bucks um, under the name The Turnips, and there was a line all the way around the block. And that was one of the greatest musical experiences I ever had. So um, the, the, the 90s, however, there was kind of like a sub, there was a lot of music that existed kind of below that mainstream alternative that was like truly alternative. Um, the, the Poster Children is a band that comes to mind. Um, there's a band called Alice Donut. Um, there's... You know, that was kind of when the, um, kind of the, the Fort Collins scene started to really blow up in the 90s, particularly in the mid to late 90s, and the, the punk rock that came out of that scene was, it was such an, it was really amazing to be a part of the phenomenon of music in the 1990s, and there's, you know, there's always amazing music being made. There always will be. There, there, I don't see how there could not be music. The thing about music is, like, there could be a nuclear Armageddon, which we might be headed towards, um, and people would start, you know, post-Armageddon, people would, you know, start taking sticks and banging on rocks and making music all over again. There's, I'm going to wrap it up now, but there's this... Um, I'll end with this. There is a song by Bad Religion on the album No Control and the song is called Big Bang and the chorus goes Big Bang, Big Crunch. Now the Big Crunch is this part of this theory of the universe that the universe is currently expanding as the result of the Big Bang and at some point it will, it will, it will start to uh, unexpand whatever the word is for that and, and that's called the Big Crunch so the Big Bang and then there's the Big Crunch and the song by Bad Religion goes, Big Bang, Big Crunch. You know there's no free lunch. Kneel down and pray. Here comes your judgment day. Big Crunch, you know, it's going to be quite a show. What, comes, what goes around always comes around. And I'm realizing that the line before that is, it goes, there's no vestige of a beginning, no prospect of an end. When we all disintegrate, it will all happen again. If you came to conquer, you'll be king for a day. But, to, but you too will deteriorate and quickly fade away. So believe these words you hear when you think is when you think your path is clear. You have no control. I just actually I fucked up. I just combined two songs. The song I meant to refer to was 
called No Control off the album No Control. So anyway, when we all disintegrate, it will all happen again. You have no control. You do not understand. We have no control. You are not in command. You have no control. That album, the first five, the the Bad Religion albums, now I'll end with this. Um, The Bad Religion's albums, Suffer, No Control, Against the Grain, Generator, and to a lesser extent, Recipe for Hate, those five Bad Religion albums are absolute punk rock masterpieces. I've heard it said by some punk rock people that like Bad Religion aren't punk enough or whatever. That's complete fucking bullshit. Um, Bad Religion, those five albums, they're life-changing. Life they changed my life as a, a, a teenager and uh, an early to mid to later adolescent, my late teens and early 20s, those albums were totally transformative, those five. Um, to reiterate, it's a quiz, Bad Religion Suffer, Bad Religion Against the Grain, Bad Religion No Control, Bad Religion Generator, and Bad Religion Recipe for Hate. Check them out. Go Bad Religion. Talk to you next time on Magic Pisces Podcast. Thank you. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear blue skies, and before the great awakening, there were demons disguised as angels in shiny foily packets containing China heroin. The cheapest vodka bottles, the filthy escapades, my morning hustle on the train. And the angels watching over me, the God that I could never see as I wandered alone through city streets. And the whores, the whores, the whores were my friends. The hookers and the junkies and the other deviants. They beat me to submission till I cast aside my demons and that's when it came shining through dusty blinds in a dim lit room and I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, it was that sweet, 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 the sweetest of surrenders, sweet, 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 the sweetest of surrenders, sweet, 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 the sweetest of surrenders, get it any way you can, get it any way you can, and I don't need no motherfucking Bible to show me the of my ways, but may God bless you if you keep one by your bedside, I hope it gets you to heaven one day, I hope it gets you to heaven one day, I hope it gets you to heaven one day, and I ain't gonna argue with no atheist, because my truth is my truth is my truth is my truth is my truth. And it came shining through dusty blinds in a dim lit room And I saw the light, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light It was that sweet, 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 the sweetest of surrenders Sweet, 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 the sweetest of surrenders